you're watching the Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, make sure you follow on all social media platforms. What is going on? August 19th, you're tuned in with the Justin Henry Show. And man, I got my guy Cody on. Had a chance to meet Cody from Smash Hit Sports over the weekend at the Fantasy Football Expo. I am all about this connection. We had some really good banter back and forth at the Expo. But today, we'll be talking about some breaking news that's been happening in the NFL. Also covering the slate for tonight, the preseason slate. And then tapping into the fantasy side as well, going with like some, some this or that. Players that really close ADPs, those tough decisions you got to make. But Cody, my man. I couldn't wait to have you on the show. I'm not going to lie. Look, I knew from the back and forth we had at the expo. We're like, hey, look, we got to get on together. Uh, the, the energy was unmatched, unparalleled. Uh, almost as good as your uh, the flag football moves. But we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited, man. It's great to be here. Yeah, I was sore. And I, that's kind of where I knew I was like, all right, this is going to be good as the flag football stuff. Even before the game, me and you were jawing back and forth. I'll see you in the championship. I won't. I mean, I got a little ring back here. You know what I'm saying? That you might, or, you may or may not have. But see, I, I, hey, I saw you doing some work, though. I ain't going to lie. Hey, I, look, I could only do so much. You know what I mean? Football's a team game, right? We Hey, we went out. We played hard. We had a great, great showing. Uh, we'll just have to get back in the lab, really come after it next year, you know? All, yeah. all the shit that everybody says, you know, after a tough playoff loss. It is what it is fun. Like it's a good time. Of, reading off a card. I ain't mad at you, though. <laughs> well, let's get into it, man. Let's talk some real football. Obviously, me and Cody can go back for on and on for days about our experience at the Expo. But we got real football. And one of the more breaking news things that's come out uh, is about Tom Brady. And this segment is called This Just In. So this is our breaking news segment. We cover a few of the breaking news topics. Uh, Tom Brady, man, he's taking a little vacation who knows what's going on behind the scenes? He's 45 years old. There's a lot of people that are panicking about it, saying, oh, is he going to retire again? It wouldn't surprise me if he retired. And then there's a lot of people who are like, chill. It's preseason. There's a lot of time for 45-year-old Tom Brady to take a little mental break before the season starts. Cody, which side are you on? Because I feel like there's a it's either you're with Tom Brady coming back or you're like, nah, I think he's going to be retired. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm not worried at all. I, I think he's going to come back. Look, the, the thing with Tom Brady is like, I understand that preparation is huge for him. So people are like, oh, damn, like he's missing all this time in camp and everything. But he's been with the Bucks now for a couple years. Like he has the camaraderie with his receivers and the line and everything. He Like I understand that Todd Bowles is a new head coach, but like he's worked with Tom Bowles in the past. I'm not worried about Tom Brady for now. We'll, we'll see how we get as we get closer to the season. But, like, I'm not adjusting my player ranks at all for fantasy. I'm not changing any of my futures bets. I'm going to ride it out, and we'll see how it goes. But I feel like I surely don't think he'll just completely step away, right? You know, that's that's the thought is, like, why would he go through all of the, hey, I'm retired, now I'm unretired, I'm back, I'm going through this whole offseason, and then just step away for good. That part to me doesn't make sense. To me, I'm going to be frank. Like, this seems like, like actually a plus. You knew he wasn't going to play long in the preseason no. games. If he gets time to be away from this fan, uh, away, go spend with his family, or if there's something he's dealing with personally, get his mind right. I'm not worried about Tom Brady at all playing. Take care of the person, Tom Brady, first. Like, we all want to see him on the football field for our fantasy team and our selfish ways and our, uh, you know, our complex of being the main character in life. It's like Tom Brady is his own person, man. Go take care of you. Go take care. This isn't important. Preseason is not important for Tom Brady, who's played for 3,500 years, however many years he's played for. 
Dude, 100%. It's the Marshawn Lynch saying, right? Take care, take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. Like, Facts. if Tom Brady's going to step away at all, like, God forbid, God forbid he steps away for a couple days in the preseason. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it doesn't – he was never going to see the field anyway. So yeah, I, I got him top top ten. I ain't worried about him either, man. He's still, and I know he's locked in with Mike Evans with Chris Godwin. Yeah. He's got the players around him. Fournette loves him. The team loves him. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not worried at all about Tom Brady. A lot of people panicking though, man. Um, another news: Panthers fans might be panicking just a little bit. Who knows? Because neither Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold is starting tonight. We're going to get to see a lot of P.J. Walker. We're going to get to see a lot of Matt Corral, new rookie. I am ready, ready for that right now. Who do you think starts, A, and B, who do you think needs to have the biggest impact out of the two? I think Matt Corral starts. I don't think you select a guy in the, what, third round. And I understand that he was good at Ole Miss, but not great. Look, give him a shot in the preseason. You know what Sam Darnold is. You know who Baker Mayfield is. Let Corral give a chance to show that he can be a quarterback in this league. I am the, like, if there are 100 fans left on this earth of P.J. Walker, I am one of the 100. If there's one fan <laughs> left of P.J. Walker on this earth, I am that guy. <laughs> I love P.J. Walker. Dude, balled out in the XFL. Man. That being said, I don't think, like, if they would have given him a shot, I think they would have given him a shot at some point last year. And I really don't think he got a fair shake. I think – I think they Matt Corral will start games at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers at some point this season. I, I don't think that's outlandish. If they are, are, you know, if they're battling for one of the top five positions in the draft come, you know, November and December, I don't think it's absolutely out of the question to give Corral a shot and see if he can be the guy, because otherwise you're going to end up paying for a guy like CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or, you know, whoever ends up in that, top echelon of quarterbacks so yeah give him a shot well, they gave why up, not start I mean, tonight they gave up draft picks for sam Darnold. obviously they gave up too much for him they gave up yeah. you know some a pick for baker mayfield didn't cost him much but those are two startable you can quote unquote startable quarterbacks in the league right now obviously i think pj walker we know he's he's gonna be more of a backup at this point he the success story though man you love to see an XFL to NFL to being on the field and actually yeah. producing last year. So I thought I had the Cam Newton thing going on last year. Didn't give him his fair shake, but he's a backup. But yeah. the interesting point you noted is Matt Corral is going to get an extensive look tonight. He's going to have the opportunity to play probably with some of the starters, like in at least going into the first, the end of the first quarter, perhaps even the second quarter with some of the starters if he does start. So I want to see if there's a lot of people. There's one of my boys named Dan from the Fantasy Gods. He's a Matt Corral truther. He said he's going to be the QB1, and this is his time to show it because obviously Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are going to have their time during the regular season. So I'm not too concerned with those two as far as like who's starting. I think Baker gets to start, but I am interested in seeing Matt Corral kind of do his thing on the football field, man. Yeah, and it, he was a dog at Ole Miss against good SEC competition. Lane Kiffin's, you know, Lane Kiffin unlocks quarterbacks. It's what he's done at the college level for years now. I'm not a believer in Matt Rule, so we'll see how uh, Corral looks in that offense. But yeah. he certainly has weapons. He's got CMC. He's got DJ Moore. Like we'll see if, how we feel about Terrace Marshall and Robbie Anderson this year. But I, I, he's certainly set up to a position to at least show that he could be the guy. Yeah, and I don't think the I don't think the Panthers are tied to Darnold or Mayfield anymore. I no. think it's just like we're trying to win more than five games this year. Like, some, give me something because I think if Baker doesn't produce quick hook for Darnold, Darnold doesn't produce 
quick hook, we're moving on to Matt Corral towards the end of the season. I can see that happening. Same thing you said earlier. It wouldn't shock me if he's in there later on in the season, week 15, week 16. Like, yeah. they got to evaluate everything when it comes to Carolina, including Matt Rule. 100%. Yeah, Matt. Uh, I'm not one to uh, to talk about another man's job, but if I have money on the first coach yeah. to be fired this year. I'm, I'm not a big Matt Rule fan. He's he's there for a reason. I don't know the reason. Only the Panthers do. And like you said, I ain't here to, I'm not here to castrate him. Let him do his thing. It'll it'll play out the way it's supposed to, man. But I'm definitely yeah. not a Matt Rule fan. All right, let's talk fantasy, man. Obviously, we agreed a little bit on some of the early news, not to panic. There's not a lot of things. But I know one place we're going to disagree. It's going to yes, happen. Sir. We are going yes, to disagree sir. on some of these players. This segment is called the Zero RB, where we talk nothing but fantasy. And we get it right, baby. I'm going to be right. My man Cody is not going to be right. But we're going to talk about it anyway. Hey, look, I disagree already. I disagree <laughs> already. I love it, man. Well, one of the first decisions you're going to have to make in fantasy football is who you're going to take as the wide receiver one for your team, right? And obviously, this has been a hot-button topic just recently where we've seen a little bit of shift in the consensus when it comes to wide receivers and who's the wide receiver one to take overall in fantasy. So my question to you is, are you rocking with Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson as your wide receiver one and why? Look, I'm rocking with Justin Jefferson, man. Jay Jettis, he is one of one, built different, all those things that you want to say on Twitter. That being said, I love what Kevin O'Connell is going to bring to this offensive scheme in Minnesota. Mike Zimmer's offense the last couple of years has been archaic a little bit in the – it was very traditional, very standard. And Kevin O'Connell is going to run a ton of 11 personnel – you're going to see wide receivers being used in different spots on the field, not just your traditional X, Y type of lineups. Yeah. I think Justin Jefferson is really going to be schemed otherworldly open. I know he has that quote that went viral that, you know, Hey, after being in camp for two weeks, I understand why Cooper cup, you know, got was as open as he was like, I'm seeing it now. Um, the other thing, the other thing on the flip side of this is Cooper cup had a, unbelievable season last year and he could regress and still be the wide receiver one that's not out of the question at all 100%. i do think that having a full year of Allen robinson means that that offense doesn't need to rely on cooper cup as much they should have a much more stable running game with cam Akers being healthy and daryl henderson being healthy they don't have to rely on sony michelle to carry the football ton so I think that they regress a little bit offensively, at least to a more traditional, like it, it won't be a 50-50 split. Don't get me wrong. A Sean McVay offense will never be a 50-50 split, but I right. don't think they're going to have to pepper Cooper Cup with as many targets as he had. That being said, he's still my wide receiver too. I mean, like, I'm, not get, I'm not getting crazy here. We're going to split hairs because I got the other side. I got Cooper Cup, man. And I think Cooper Cup is being massively like I, I don't understand, to be honest, this entire flip. I get you want the upside. You're like, all right, Justin Jefferson's in a new offense. This is the consensus, not just you. Justin Jefferson in this new offense. They're using him out of the backfield now. I know you saw that. There was a clip on him going today. Getting used out of the backfield, kind of like we saw Cooper Cup last year. So it's going to be very similar. But I'm going to go with the guy who has experience in the offense. And the guy who did it already, we saw Cooper Cup win a triple crown. 
And to me, bringing in Allen Robinson is pretty similar to having Robert Woods for the most part of the year and Odell Beckham for the second half of the year. It, he put up very similar numbers no matter where those guys were in or out. And I trust the quarterback situation more than anything. When I look at Matt Stafford, I look at him as an elite quarterback in this league, real football even more so than fantasy, but he provides a stable floor for multiple receivers. When I look at Kirk Cousins, he throws a lot more picks. He doesn't have the same upside to me that Matt Stafford has. It's not that I hate Justin Jefferson. It's just I'm not ready to put him over Cooper Cup yet like everybody else is. If I'm going to take a wide receiver one, give me Cooper Cup, the guy that just won the triple crown, even a little bit of regression, like you said, to me, is still elite. Are we sure that Matt Stafford's that much better than Kirk Cousins? I'd say so. I'd say so. You got to put him ahead. I, I disagree. Like, I like Matt Stafford. I was a fan of Matt Stafford when he was in, in Detroit, and I think he got unfairly blamed for some of the losses there, and it's good to see him kind of be vindicated, although against my Bengals, I was kind of tough. <laughs> but th- that being said, I I don't see Kirk Cousins being that much different, honestly. They are a pocket presence quarterback. They can both move the ball well down the field. I think that Stafford has a better arm. I mean, he's he's got more of a cannon on him, but he's always had that coming out of Georgia. I, I don't think that it's far and above to say that they are at least in the same realm. Like, I would put them in the same tier as far as quarterbacks go. Okay, that's, that's fair to say. I think the one area I would say would be different is that we've also seen Stafford carry a wide receiver to an elite season. We haven't necessarily several times, several times. We're talking Calvin Johnson. You're talking even like Kenny Galladay, Cooper cup. Like we've seen him carry Marvin Jones had some of his best seasons with Stafford. Like we've seen Stafford kind of elevate his level of play of his receivers. Whereas Kirk cousins, I think isn't as scared to like spread the ball out a little bit more. He's also a little bit more problematic when it comes to interceptions. So to me, I think that when it comes to fantasy, I'm, I'm attaching my, my wide receiver to Stafford more so than I am to, to Kirk Cousins. But like you said, bro, we splitting hairs at the end of the day. Yeah, it's wide receiver one and two. Like, if you end up with them in your draft, you're like, sweet. that Great. Good for me, you know? Right. Well, there's another position. Obviously, uh, let's go to running backs, man. And I'm just going to kind of free fall through these different positions. We're not going to keep it consistent on this show and go wide receiver, wide receiver. Let's talk about Saquon Barkley and DeAndre Swift, my man, because – This battle is, you know, Saquon has been climbing a lot lately. A lot of people are excited about the potential workload. They're hearing all the things about camp, about how he's going strong. And then we see DeAndre Swift come out and say, I want 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. Which side of the fence are you on when it comes to DeAndre Swift and Saquon Barkley, my man? Look, I love DeAndre Swift, but that quote, I want 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving, gave me David Johnson flashbacks that I cannot, I cannot unsee. That being said, I got both of these guys in my top six. I think they have wow. elite fantasy seasons this year. Every, I understand the injury concerns with, uh, frankly, both. People don't talk about Swifts as much, but he was hurt last year as well. Tell the point. I think both guys can be elite in this league. Absolutely. I have Swift as my running back three. I, I think Swift has the potential to lead the league in rushing yards. And if you look, you can see it in the link of my bio and all that other stuff. I have my NFL prop bets up. One of my season-long bets is DeAndre Swift to lead the league in rushing. I think Dan Campbell is a big, like, smash-mouth football guy. Screw your analytics. I'm going to, you know, we're going to dominate the other team physically. But that being said, the Lions' offensive line is solid. They added more weapons offensively, should at least expand that defense a little bit, let them get out of the eight-man box. 
I like Swift's situation a ton. I think he has a he's going to be in a better offense than Saquon Barkley. And I think part of it comes down to these guys could both absolutely be 300 touchbacks. The problem I have is, is the quality of those touches are not the same. I think the touches in Detroit are going to be better than the touches in New York because I'm not a fan of that Giants offensive line yet. They've improved, but they're still not great. I'm not a believer in Daniel Jones. I think those Giants receivers are borderline worst in the league. I don't feel great about that. I don't feel as good about that offense. Either way, I think they're going to go through these guys. I'm taking Swift over Barkley, but it's by a hair. I, I I hear you, man. The only thing I can't, especially on the Saquon point, I know that there's a lot more risk with Saquon than people want to truly admit. Like, I'm a huge Saquon guy. Was a truther last year until, I mean, obviously he got hurt last year. Didn't see that getting his ankle rolled in, in Dallas coming. But I'm a huge Saquon guy. So, for me, obviously, I'm going to take Saquon over, over Swift. I think we can agree that he's undervalued right now in, in fantasy. So, I don't want to split too many hairs there. I'm not really too concerned about the situation with Brian Dable there, Mike Kafka. Like, I feel like the, the scheme is going to be fine. Receivers will be fine. Line will be better. Not too worried about it. Now, the part I do disagree with is DeAndre Swift, right, who hasn't had a top 10 season yet. He's a, a smaller back, and so you have injury concerns there as well. And to lead the league in rushing with that team, you know, I feel like with Jamal Williams there, TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, who everybody loves as a sleeper this year, and then also the addition of DJ Shark, also the addition of first round pick Jamison Williams, who's going to be there later in the season. I do think that, you know, they want to run the football there, but I obviously I think that this offense is going to be a lot more spread out than people think. So with DeAndre Swift, I have my concerns with them. A, not just durability, but B, how are you going to maximize 30, 300 touches? I don't even see a way for him to get 300 to 350 touches, which you absolutely need to be in the top three wide uh, running backs this year. So, to me, I have my concerns. Maybe I'm off a little bit, but I'm not touching DeAndre Swift over Saquon Barkley. I got him in my top 12, though. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Swift was fourth in running back targets last year. So I don't hate the, like, I under, even if they are going to pass, I still think he's going to be used. I, I get the concerns of add, adding more dynamic players and, and all of that. I just think that Swift's you know, the quality of those targets, you know, the, the opportunity for touchdowns, which is incredibly hard to predict. And I know that people like to use some advanced analytics to say, you know, this, that, and the other, if I was a betting man, I'm putting my money on Swift. That being said, I'm drafting both of these guys above their current ADP. Hell yeah. I, I, I can't not be a, hey, I cannot be mad at that. Well, we were going to disagree. What happened to the, the, the whole, Oh yeah. We gonna have some words. Hey, you know, as, you know, we are disagreeing. Cause Swift to me is 12. Like, but at the end of the day, I can't be mad at the take because if you're taking safe, especially the Saquon side, if you're taking them at six, I'm not mad at that at all. Now, Deandre Swift to me, bro. I just, I just don't see it. Like I legit just don't see the top three upside, but I'm not mad if you get him as in the back into round two and you get him as your running back, which is probably where you're going to get him right now, unless you reach. I ain't mad at that. Absolutely. And look, ADP matters, right? If you compare him with another guy. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, here we go. We're moving into the quarterback. So Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. And some people think one is good. Some people think the other is good. Where are you at on Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts kind of came out of not even came out of nowhere last year, but a lot of people didn't see him being a top five to seven QB, depending on your league. A lot of people did see Kyler Murray being in that upper echelon and he got hurt. Who you in on? Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. 
Look, I I am so far in on Jalen Hurts over Kyler Murray that it's it might be ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, Kyler. Hold on, he player. said Jalen Hurts over Kyler. I had to make sure I heard that right. You have yes, Jalen Hurts way over Kyler Murray. Yes, sir. Like five or six spots over Kyler Murray. Get the hell out of here! Look, I understand that like Kyler Murray. You look at the weapons and the Cliff Kingsbury offense. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach. I'm going to be honest. I didn't like him at Texas Tech. I don't like him at at Arizona. I think he's also going to be a guy who's going to be on the hot seat this year. You're going to have – I like the acquisition of Hollywood Brown. He's going to be more ready to play than any rookie receiver you would have drafted at that spot. D-Hop's going to miss six games. You have Ertz. I I get it. Kyler Murray has not finished a full season. At any point, has he not finished a full season? Jalen Hurts, I trust to do that more. I think Jalen Hurts' rushing upside is higher. And you, uh, Jalen Hurts, I understand the like, oh, they were 32nd in pass attempts last year. I think it's probably going to change with A.J. Brown. Like, if I was a, if I was a betting man, well, it's, why, it's probably why would not going to end up change? Why would it change? When you have dynamic players, you change your offense to utilize those dynamic players. They didn't have that at wide receiver last year. They had 185-pound Devonta Smith, who I like. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but again, he's not a otherworldly wide receiver. A.J. Brown can be when he's healthy. You have A.J. Brown on that field with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. You have weapons in the backfield, but their running backs aren't great. I would take Arizona's backfield over Philadelphia's. Right. That gives me Jalen Hurts has a better opportunity for rushing touchdowns in the goal, like in the red zone. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think his passing substantially improves this year. Substantially now, improves. You're hoping right now. This is what it sounds like to me. You're hoping that Jalen Hurts turns into Kyler Murray because that's what Kyler Murray is 3,500 to 4,000 yards. He runs a lot in the red zone. You're hoping you're like, you know what? AJ Brown is there now. So I think that Jalen Hurts can become what Kyler Murray is, is where and you're drafting him damn near the same spot. To me, Kyler Murray already plays in a more pass friendly offense, he has better pass capacity. Pass-catching receivers. You talk about DJ uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be back after week six, week seven, whatever it is with their bye. You got Hollywood Brown now, new addition to the team. A.J. Green, who's old as shit but can still play. You got Rondell Moore. They're going to try to get involved in the offense. I'm not buying some huge threat. You're going to hey, try to sell me Rondell Moore no, for your Kyler no, Murray take? Come he's on. He's wide receiver four on that team. Like, that's a strong wide receiver four to have on your team. You got Zach Ertz, who was one of the top tight ends once he got traded to, to Arizona. To me. I like Kyler Murray, and he was the QB1 before he got hurt. A lot of people forgot that. He was the QB1 before he got hurt. So not only is he a threat to pass, he's going to be running the ball in the red zone too. Even though they got James Conner, I still expect little-ass Kyler Murray to be dashing across your screen come Sunday. So for me, I love I love Kyler Murray way more than I love Jalen Hurts. And I like getting Jalen Hurts as like your QB6, QB5. Like I'm down for him at that range. I just love Kyler Murray way more than Jalen Hurts. I'm pretty sure Jalen Hurts might have been quarterback when he got hurt in like week 12. He was quarterback one through 12 weeks. Like that's when I, Tyler went down. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I see how it is. I see how it is. Look, and they were only there because Lamar Jackson went down. And, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll it see. Happens. And, you know, Look, on Jalen Hurts, you actually, you, I like the take as far as like being able to have better pass catchers. But I do have some concerns with Jalen Hurts because he played banged up a lot last year, too. And I feel like with Kyler Murray, they just gave him the bag. Five-year deal, whatever it was. Jalen Hurts is still in prove-it mode. There's a lot of people that still think Jalen Hurts can't lead this football team to wins. So if he doesn't lead this team to the playoffs, it's his job in jeopardy. We have to note that as well because in fantasy, that matters. If they get to week 14, 15, and the team just isn't performing with this dream team that they're calling themselves – 
then shit, he has a chance he might even get benched. So to me, yeah. I'm looking at there's a lot more stability with Kyler Murray. We think we're gonna get benched Jalen Hurts for Gardner Minshew. I don't see, but there's there's <sighs> skeptics out there. Straight up. Look, if they do, I burn the Eagles to the ground. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but I, look, I love Jalen Hurts. I liked him at Oklahoma. I liked him when he was at Alabama. I, I and maybe that's a little bit of bias there because I did love him in college, but I do think he will have a better fantasy season than Kyler Murray this year. I, I'm just not as high on Kyler Murray. I don't see it from a the analytics. I get it. I'm going to trust my gut on this one. Sometimes that's all you got when it comes to fantasy. Facts. Say that shit, uh, but, say that shit louder. Look, Sometimes that's all you got, baby. Look, everybody likes to throw these advanced analytics out there like there's some un, like math wizard that we have never done the math before. I get it, man. But at the end of the day, like these are real people who play a real game. It's a real business. Like it, this isn't Madden. Like it's not how that works. And Analytics are a great tool, but relying on them blindly isn't the best way to go. It's not how it's not how NFL, it's not how GMs and coaches make decisions. So if that's not how they make decisions, how can you do it as an analyst? Like, I get it. There's a time and a place, bro. I'm chopping that shit. That shit's going on social media straight up. They need to hear hey, that shit, bro. Good. Bring yeah, that they, to the people. Bring that to the people, to, bro. Because I feel like we get into a space, man, where it's like everybody wants to rely on pro player profile. I can go through and see target per share and air yards. We can all look up the same information and find value. This guy was number 17 last year, so there's value here. Vacated target. At the end of the day, you got to watch the game and understand these are athletes. Sometimes, sometimes the numbers don't speak for them dogs. Sometimes hey, they don't speak for the dogs, they, bro. You got to know whether they have that dog in them. It you is what – it's a, the intangibles, right? But at the – like – you can find stats for anything. I can find stats that say Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in the NFL, and I can find stats that say he shouldn't be on a roster. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's just so many different – you can find for stats for everything. And you can find a stat – I can find a stat on the same person and say, I'm taking this person and fading this person and have very different takes just based on the five stats I bring to the table. Just do a blind resume. People Facts. be like, oh, player A is so much better than player B, and they're both the same player. It's like – Facts. All right. You do a play, you do a comparison on me, bro, on the football field. You'd have thought I was gonna be the slowest, not able, big body to, to do shit on the field. And there I was cutting up right in your face. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Let's move on to wide receiver Mike Williams or Rashad Bateman. So I, I you was like all oh, we agreeing green early. I knew they were gonna get spicy. I got some, I got some good ones down here for us. Mike Williams and Rashad Bateman, bro. I want me to go first. You want to go first? I, I please. I, I would love to hear Floor your take yours. on this. Oh, you love I'll, my take on it. Here yeah, we go. Let me hear. So I am going with Rashad Bateman over Mike Williams, who everybody has as taking over on the Chargers. Going to be the wide receiver. Keenan's getting older. He's going to fall off. Now Keenan is still that dude. Thirty years old. I'm not worried about any drop off. I think they play their roles very similarly. Mike Williams had a really hot start last year. Like that was, he was the wide receiver one in fantasy for a minute and then went right back to being Mike Williams. High end, volatile, wide receiver three, inconsistent, touchdown dependent. We saw it. It happened. And to me, Rashad Bateman stepping up into a spot where Lamar Jackson relies on his wide receiver one. We've seen it consistently. Hollywood Brown had a good year last year and Rashad Bateman is way better than Hollywood Brown in my opinion. So I can see a really strong 1,200 yard, or 1200 yard, eight to 10 touchdown season for Rashad Bateman with about 90 catches. Even in that offense, I can see him having a very strong, uh, a very strong season. And Mike Williams, I can see him being more, actually more of a wide receiver three, maybe low in two than he was last year. 
Good. I'm glad we disagree. I'm glad we disagree. That, fuel, <laughs> that fire fuels my my I need to hear it. passion here. Look, Mike Williams is a great, great talent who unfortunately injuries have hampered him for the first portion of his career. I'm glad that the Chargers brought him back. I think that was the best situation for him. They paid him like a guy who is going to be heavily involved in that offense. And if I'm going to trust a GM and I'm going to trust a quarterback, which if you look at Vegas's odds, Justin Herbert is the favorite to lead the NFL in passing this year. And if he's the favorite to lead the NFL in passing this year, somebody has to catch those footballs. I like Keenan Allen. I think he's great. I don't think I don't see a reason that both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams could not excel in this offense. Absolutely excel. So I think Mike Williams could absolutely be a 1200 yard, seven to eight touchdown guy. I, I, think that's absolutely in the realm of possibility. I like Rashad Bateman. He is the second target on his team, and everybody's like, oh, he's the number one wide receiver. Now, Mark Andrews is the number one pass catcher on that football team until Mark Andrews is no longer on that football team. He's He is a hell of a player. That being said, I like Rashad Bateman. I think he's going to have a solid, solid year with Lamar Jackson. But at, at the end of the day, volume is king. I'm going to take the volume in that Chargers offense who is very, very pass-friendly over the Ravens' offense just because it's it's much more run-dominant. Rashad Bateman's a hell of a player. I just yeah. think that I just think the output that Mike Williams – or the volume that Mike Williams is going to receive is going to equate fantasy output. So I'm going to – I would take Mike at Williams. But I don't think it's like some sort of like, like blasphemy to say Rashad Bateman – is going to have a good year. I do. I think it's blasphemy to say Mike Williams is going to be better than Mike and then Rashad Bateman because Rashad Bateman, I think Lamar got something to prove, man. Everybody's saying, oh, you know, he's not a passer and he's on a contract year this year. He bulked up. I think he can throw to receivers. They haven't given him enough weapons. And Mark Andrews, yeah, he was the beneficiary last year, but a lot of that was with backup quarterback production. So to me, Lamar hasn't, hasn't always targeted Mark Andrews in the way that made him an upper echelon tight end. He had like damn near 50% of his production in the last four weeks when Lamar was hurt. So to me, and in that one game where he had after somebody in his family passed on on primetime. Yeah. So to me, I'm looking at, at Lamar thinking, you know what? I can make receivers. I can pass the ball. I can be an effective passer. And you've seen what they're doing in training camp, bro. I, I don't always buy into like these training camp splashes or, you know, this player is doing well and George Pickens and Isaiah Pacheco. I don't always believe that shit. Well, well, George Pickens, see... future Randy Moss. What are we yeah. talking about <laughs> here? He's fame, like if right? Jerry, Ma- <laughs> yeah, the Jerry oh, Rice and Randy Moss. And the- oh my God, it's just. But you can tell when there's a connection. Like last year, when you started seeing that Stafford Cup stuff, you were like, all right, cool. There's there's something there. This year, you're seeing a lot of Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk, and you're also seeing a lot of Lamar Jackson and Rashad Bateman. I'm buying all, all Rashad Bateman shares I can. Man, I disagree. I disagree, I, but I don't hate it. I disagree, I, but I don't hate it. It's fine. That's love. Well, let's move on to the different position. Tight end, Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz. Schultz has been creeping up a lot of draft boards, and Darren Waller's always been a dog in fantasy, but he's starting to drop now in a lot of rankings. He's becoming a popular fade. There's also people who think that he can still bounce back. Um, obviously, both of these players are going to be drafted right there in that mid-tight end range. Which one are you taking if they're both on the board? I have these guys right next to each other. Right next to each other. However... I'm going to take Dalton Schultz over Darren Waller. Devontae Adams is an absolute weapon in the red zone. I know he's going to have chemistry with Derek Carr. They played together in college. They're not going to lose that by any means. 
what worries me with the Raiders more than the Cowboys is just the distribution of targets in that offense. They have Hunter Renfro. He's going to get targets. They have Devonta Adams. They have Darren Waller. Targets are going to be spread around in that offense. I have concerns with what the Cowboys are going to bring to the table from a diversity of weapons standpoint, because Michael Gallup is not going to be hundred percent to start the year. They already lost James Washington for the year to injury. So they have CeeDee Lamb who rolled his ankle or whatever at practice. So he might, he might not be starting off on the best foot, which sucks because I love CeeDee Lamb, hell of a player. Me too. But Dalton, Sh- Dalton Schultz could be second in line in targets for that offense. He could be their best red zone weapon. I'm buying into that. Dak Prescott led the league in passing yards. Was it last year or two years ago? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Or three. Right? Almost no. three years ago now, yeah. Oh, shit, man. I'm getting old. Broke, yeah, it's it happening quick. Yeah, it happened quick. But you know that Dak Prescott is absolutely able to, to sling the rock. So yeah. I'm taking Dalton Schultz. I think he has more. I, I think he scores more touchdowns. And it, at the tight end position, man, that means everything. So yeah. give me Dalton Schultz over Darren Waller. I actually have Dalton Schultz over Darren Waller as well, but for different reasons. Um, I Ooh. do think that Darren Waller is going to be used heavily in the red zone. Yeah. A lot of teams are going to be they're going to be shifting that coverage to Devontae. Once they, they see that relationship with Carr and, and Devontae Adams, there's a lot of people worried about that too for whatever reason. They're worried about Devontae Adams in, in Vegas. Like To me, that's a perfect setup for him. Yeah, um, he could have gone anywhere better. Like that's, I felt like that was the perfect scenario for him. That's a whole different conversation. But to me, that's going to open things up for Hunter Renfro, going to open things up for Josh Jacobs, going to open things up for Darren Waller, who, if you take a look at Josh McDaniels, has always featured the tight end in the red zone. So to me, he's going to lose some of the yardage. He's going to lose some of those targets. But I could see Darren Waller having a 10-touchdown season with like 800 yards. That would not surprise me at all. And on the flip side, I do like Dalton Schultz, but I think it's because of the yardage. All the injuries to the wide receivers for the Cowboys, he definitely has to be the number two wide receiver, like you said, and that could lead to a 1,000-yard season for him. Now, will he get 10 touchdowns? That might be a stretch, but I do think he's going to be in the thousands when it comes to yardage. He'll be in the 70s when it comes to catches. He'll probably be in that 6-8 to eight range when it comes to touchdowns, and for me, that's going to put him over Darren Waller, who's going to be more touchdown-dependent, more Dawson Knox-ish than, like, Travis Kelsey-ish. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I got him. It's it's not that I hate the player, and I think he's better than Dawson Knox, but that's where I got him. I got him kind of sliding into that. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to be four catches for 60 yards type guy. Are you are you down on Dawson Knox this year? I can't be the only one, right? I'm down. I got Dawson Knox like right next to Pat Fryermuth, man. Yeah. Like straight up. Right in that area, man. It's just they're so touchdown dependent last year. And when he ate, he ate. But, yeah. you know, when he didn't, like at the, you were leaving points on the board. You were. You were. Let's get a little more spicy, bro. Let's get a little more spicy. We might as well. Aaron Jones, Javante Williams, man, because I know – I don't know what side you – a defense you want on this one. But this is right in that prime back end, running back one. A lot of people love Javante Williams. Not scared of Melvin Gordon. Not scared of Russell Wilson coming in there. He's going to be elite, top five potential. A lot of people are on Aaron Jones saying he's going to get a lot more receptions with Green Bay, and there's worries with both. Plant your flag, bro. Plant that shit. Look, I'm taking Aaron Jones. I'm taking Aaron Jones all day, twice on Sundays. When it comes down to, like, trust in that Green Bay and Packers offense, I don't think there's anybody that that Aaron Rodgers trusts more than Aaron Jones. He's been a a very reliable receiving threat for him all year. 
Um, there's, you know, rumors that they're going to use him split out wide more in the slot more to get some advantageous matchups in that offense. I hope so, because I think that would be great for Aaron Jordan's fantasy value. I also am, I'm not concerned about the Green Bay Packers offense taking a step back from a like, oh, they're going to be dramatically worse offensively this year. They're not going to be as good. Don't get me wrong. Losing to one of the best wide receivers in football, if not the best wide receiver in football, is going to hurt your offense. But I don't think they're going to turn into the, you know, the Houston Texans or New York Giants of last year. They're still going to score points. Aaron Jones is still going to be heavily involved in the red zone. It, he is going to be a PPR monster. Javante Williams, I have, I have hesitations. He's a phenomenal running back. Javante yeah. Williams is a phenomenal, phenomenal running back. That being said, I know the, the quote came out of Melvin Gordon saying like, yeah, you can tell they want Vontae to be the guy this year. And, and I get that. The Broncos have Super Bowl aspirations. There's yes. no doubt about it. If you want to have Super Bowl aspirations, part of that is keeping your best players healthy. Giving Javante Williams 300 touches is not going to do that. I don't think he's going to be involved in the passing game as much as Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon's a better receiving back than Javante Williams. And I, I absolutely can see both of these guys being 1,000-yard rushers again this year. And Ooh. if that's the case, I'm going to take Aaron Jones. But I like, I like Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. I'm going to take Melvin Gordon at, at cost 10 times out of 10 over Javante Williams. I don't think it's going to – I think it's going to be more of a split than what initial camp reports are saying. Yeah, I think I think Melvin Gordon got – you know, that's one of those things like, oh, they want him to be the guy. But literally in his head, he's like, I'm better than that dude. Like in his head, he's thinking, I'm better than that dude and I'm going to have a better season. Like that's that's the athlete talking, the coach speak, what they want you to say. Yeah, they want it to be his team. I got a feeling Melvin's going to show out a little bit though. Even if it's a 60-40, 70-30 split, I'm still not buying all the way on Javante Williams because – Russ is there. That's going to be Russ's offense. And we know, like, those guys that got rock with Russ aren't typically, like, league leaders in anything rushing. They're always a complimentary yep. piece to Russell Wilson. We saw it in the Super Bowl, right? They're a yeah. complimentary piece to Russell Wilson's legacy. So I'm all in on Aaron Jones. I think they're going to use him more heavily in the red zone. They're going to use him in the passing game a lot more. We don't need to spend too much time on that because we do agree on that. But one thing you said was that they want to keep him healthy for a Super Bowl run. And I kind of been thinking that about Cam Akers, too. That was a, a really good piece you mentioned because a lot of people don't think about that in fantasy. They're like, oh, I see this guy. He has opportunity. He's going to put up these numbers. They're not thinking situational, man. So that's a hell of a point that you mentioned there. Yeah, and look, everybody's like, oh, look at that. Cam Akers had 90% of the touches in the in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's the Super Bowl, dude. Playoffs, <laughs> like it, It's going to be a little bit different when they're playing in week four. They're probably not going to give a running back 90% of their offensive load. Like, yeah, maybe we pull that back a little bit. The the age of the Sean Alexander and Chris Johnson and, and LaDainian Tomlinson of getting, you know, 300 or even Ezekiel Elliott in his rookie season, like, I think that age of football is probably done. It's coming to an end because we've seen Derrick Henry do it and he got hurt the next season. It's just like it's, yep. you can't – 370, 350, that's a lot of touches and carries specifically for a running back. Let's go with two more. I only got two more. I got more, but I feel like we could go all day with this shit. Oh, I've got to hit it at some point. You know it. Two more I got for us. At this spot, you either got Trey Lance or Tom Brady. There's two different types of Q QBs, but they go around similar ADP. Tom Brady tends to go first. Trey Lance tends to go second. Cody, are we agreeing on this one or not? Nah? I am taking Trey Lance. 
And I understand the Konami code quarterback and everybody, oh, rushing is OP in fantasy. Well, it is. And, and that's yeah. just how things are going to be until, you know, people start changing their league scoring. But I like Trey Lance. And a lot of people are, have the concerns of like, well, he's a rushing dominant quarterback. And I get it. But you're in a Kyle Shanahan offense with Debo Samuel and George Kittle and, and Brandon Ayuk and uh, Elijah um, – Mitchell. Oh, why can't I think of that? Mitchell. There we go. So they're going to have weapons offensively. That 49ers team was a dropped interception away from going to the Super Bowl last year. Bro. They're going to be a great team. They're going to put up points. I have no hesitations about Trey Lance. I understand that like people are concerned because he played at North Dakota State and it's not the same competition. And I feel like people also get like bad vibes because of Carson Wentz. Like he kind of let yeah. down the, the FCS quarterback train, but Look, Trey Lance is good, and he's going he's to be good. good. He's going to be great for fantasy football. I think it's going to take some time before he really, you know, excels at the NFL level from like a true football perspective. But he's going to be great for your fantasy team. Yeah, and he's going to be. I mean, we talked Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. Like, I got him damn near up there. I feel like he's right after that. That is kind of like the last two QBs I would take before Trey Lance. And even then, I might consider Trey Lance ahead of those guys. Like, he has sky-high potential, perfect offense to set up the weapons, the coaching staff. I mean, it's elite all the way around. So unless he just completely flops as a passer, which I don't even see that happening with the weapons yeah. they have around him, Kyle Shanahan's going to put him in good spots. We saw him use a limited Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was effective for that team last year. I can only imagine what the hell he's going to do with, with Trey Lance because it's going to be – I think it's going to be a very special season. Now, I'm not calling him MVP or even QB1. But if he got QB1, to be honest, it would not surprise me. It I, I think it would be more surprising for him to be outside of the top 20 than it would for him to be quarterback one. Oh, stamp I, th I think his floor is just so high. It so is, high. bro. Like, all right, let's keep it, keep it running, man. Obviously, that's a good one. Let's, let's go back to receiver. Some hot names. One of them is potentially a wide receiver one. Very, very questionable nobody knows what the hell's going on with the Packers organization and then this other player is a strong wide receiver too who has seen his value skyrocket especially after the playoff game Alan Lazard or Gabriel Davis which side you want Cody look I love Gabe Davis love Gabe Davis but at the <laughs> same time you cannot base your entire evaluation of a player on one playoff game where you know that the Bills schemed him open like that's, that was their offensive scheme for that game. It worked incredibly well. And he flourished because of that. That's not going to happen every game. It's not going to happen week in and week out. They brought in, you know, other, they brought in Jamison Crowder. There are like some targets Isaiah still McKenzie. to be spread around. Isaiah McKenzie, who is a great value, especially in best ball leagues. But I like Gabe Davis. He's a great player. I hate him at his ADP. Hate him at his ADP. Alan Lazard, on the other hand, I understand that people are like, well, he's never done it before. And I, I get that, but has Gabe Davis, like he, he had the one Ooh, game, but Gabe point. Davis hasn't done it consistently either. Give me the guy who could, who could absolutely lead that team in targets with one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game of football. They should score a lot of points. Alan Lazard is no slouch. And you know, he has chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that the Green Bay Packers would not have made additional moves to acquire talent if they didn't have at least 
some sort of confidence in the guys they currently have there. I think that speaks volumes for Alan Lazard. I will take Alan Lazard over Gabe Davis now, 100% because, of the time. Now, because I'm riding with you on both of these, I'm going to ask you a couple questions because I do feel like Alan Lazard has, like, he's, for some reason, I don't know why he's going outside of the top 100 or even, like, the bottom 80, 90. Like, it doesn't make sense to me how he's going so low, right? And how Gabe Davis is going so high. He's in, like, the top 55 yeah. to 75 players, which to me is unfathomable. Like, I have no interest in Gabe Davis at the price, even no. though I love the player on the football field. I got two questions for you, though. Does the fact that Alan Lazard has competition, competition, quote unquote, with Romeo Dubs, with Sammy Watkins and the unknown of just him not producing at that level before. Does that give validation to his ADP being low? In part two with Gabe Davis is the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Cole Beasley is gone. All these vacated targets and those advanced uh, analytics in the second half of the year for Gabe Davis that spoke volumes for him in his production. Does that make you want to draft him a little bit higher? Those are my two questions for you. Okay, so I'm going to answer the first one. I understand why people have concern with bringing in outside guys. Like Romeo Dobbs was – he was the reason Carson Strong was as drafted or as sought after of a prospect as Carson Strong was in Nevada. He was great for that offense. That being said, still a rookie wide receiver, and I think people over the last couple of years have been spoiled with rookie wide receivers. We saw what Jamar Chase did. We saw what Justin Jefferson did the last two years. And we go, oh, well, why can't a rookie wide receiver do that with Aaron Rodgers? I get it. Romeo Dobbs is not Justin Jefferson or no. Jamar Chase. No. So let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. And Sammy Watkins, he's going to have probably a great week one and then fall off a cliff <laughs> after that. So I, I, I have, you know, I have concern with that, which is why his ADP is dropped. I think that's baked into his ADP, right? 100%. So I love Allen Robinson at his ADP because the the upside, right? Because at that point, you're drafting your third or fourth wide receiver. I would much rather have Alan Lazard to try to, you know, the upside be there. Yes, yes. The, you know, oh, there are guys around that area. Gabe Davis, I understand the vacated targets thing. That being said, just because all of those targets are vacated do not mean they're all going to go to Gabriel Davis. We could have, you know, maybe they scheme Dawson Knox open a little bit more. I'm not his biggest fan, but I absolutely could see him being more involved in the offense from 20 to 20 rather than just in the red zone. Stefan Diggs, we know who he is. He is great. Right. But they also have Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie. And just because you lose targets doesn't mean you funnel them into one, one guy or one spot. And I think you'll see that that Bills offense is going to be very good. They're going to score a lot of points. There are going to be guys on that offense every week who you're like, damn, I wish I would have started him instead. And that's fine. I, I understand the argument for Gabe Davis. I just think it's gone too far, right? We've pushed the ADP past the point that I'm willing to take a shot on him. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I feel like you speaking a lot of facts, bro. And it's just uh, the ADP matters. Like an ADP yeah. for Gabe Davis is super high. I feel like the ADP for Alan Lazard is super low. It's find the value when you're draft, bro. Like at the end of the day, it's what we're trying to do is find value in these fantasy drafts. And to me, you're paying massive tag. You're paying for damn near his ceiling for Gabe Davis. And you might even be playing, paying the floor for Alan Lazard if you're getting him outside of the top 30 wide receivers. Yep. I, I absolutely agree, man. Absolutely agree. So this segment is called, we talked to a whole lot of players, man. Let us know what you guys think in the comments about the players. 
because we went back and forth, man. That was some good back and forth and a lot of gems. Like, I feel like there was a lot Ooh. of gems in that segment. People need to watch there were some that clips. for real. There were some clips. Yeah. Go back, we rewatch it, watch it again, run the numbers up, all right? But we need that. Hey, there's now, great, great info. Ooh. That's, that's what we do, baby. And now it's time to get you guys paid straight up. We're going straight up with this one. Uh, the NFL preseason is here. Today's Friday. We got some games on, so let's talk about them, man. This actually isn't my strength. Preseason betting is not my strength. I ain't going to lie, but I'm going to chop it up with you about it. We got Saints Packers today. We got Panthers Patriots, and we got Texans Rams. Before we get into the line, what's your favorite game for today, Cody? Favorite game for tonight is Saints Packers. Uh, get to see Jordan Love. We'll see what that Saints offense looks like with their weapons. Um, that's also my favorite game to bet on. And Saints are dogs in this one, I believe. The Packers uh, have not won a preseason game since 2019. And I understand we didn't have game, preseason games Ooh. in 2020, but it makes my stats sound better. So we're going <laughs> we're gonna, to we're gonna roll with that. But that being said, I also like to fade the public in the preseason, and I like to go with coaching trends in the, in the preseason. 79% of the public is on Packers money line, which is great. They did not build those casinos and hotels in Vegas because people were, the public was right a lot. So I'm going to take the saints on this one. The saints are plus money, even though all of that, the percentage of public bet is on the Packers. The line hasn't moved since it was opened. Ooh, so that's a telltale. I, I am going to back the saints in this one. Also, Matt LaFleur does not have an incredible record in the preseason. So I'm, I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean saints. Well, and I also think we could see the starters on the saints on the field a little bit more than the Packers starters. We know Aaron Rodgers ain't going to be on the field. We know Jordan yep. love didn't look too good last week. And it's to me, you know, I feel like the saints team has to show, has to show that they can gel. Like they have a lot to prove and the defense is already good. So I don't know how, as far as the debt piece, I, I think this is more of a, of a game where the saints might go up early and it just kind of stays that way. Like, the total's only 38.5. It's a two and a half point line. So for me, I'm gonna go with the with the dog who I think is probably gonna win the game anyway. I'm gonna yep. roll with the Saints on there. hundred percent. Spreads are so weird in the preseason, too. Like, they give are. me I, I would I prefer to bet money line in the preseason. I'll take spreads all day during the regular season, but like you'll have guys going for two just to go for two. Like, nah, I'm yeah. good. We saw, I mean, that, that comeback last week, the Bills comeback bro. was crazy to see. I'm like, bro, there's no way you were calling that shit. No, insane. Panthers Patriot is next up. Patriots is next up. Minus six for the Patriots. Total is 40 and a half. So obviously we talked about the starter situation with the Panthers earlier. It's not going to be Baker Mayfield, not going to be Sam Darnold, either be PJ Walker, or it's going to be uh, Matt Corral. Who do you like in this game? Yeah, this line absolutely moved since it's opening. Um, the Bill Belichick, I, lo I love coaching trends in the preseason. That's kind of one of the things that, um year over year like there's not a lot consistent in the preseason but that's one thing that has been that being said there's no way i'm betting the patriots that they were minus <sighs> 210 when i looked at them earlier today they're i think they're minus 240 now oh, wow. i will take the panthers plus six to cover the spread in this one that they're playing there are more guys on that team who are playing for their spot right and i understand that the patriots are well coached and this that and the other I think their offense is a mess, and I think they're still trying to figure that out in the preseason. I think Matt Corral can show that he's going to ball, and P.J. Walker can show that they're going to ball. Six points is entirely too much for a preseason spread. Entirely too much for a preseason spread. So give me the Panthers. I also like the under in this game. 
40 and a half is an incredibly high number for the preseason. I think Vegas took a beating when it came to totals last week. I think 13 of 17 total or prior to last night's uh, Bears game. Yeah. 13 of 17 of the games have hit the over. Oh, wow. Last, last night went under by a point, but the over under was 38. So give me the under in this one. I don't preseason totals in the forties absolutely blows my mind. Should not be a thing. What Cody, you made a really good point, bro. You said, you know, kind of looking over year over year, especially when it comes to like coaching staffs or team usage. Is that like the main thing that you're looking for when you go back? Cause obviously preseason can be, it's such a mixed bag when you don't know who's yep. playing, you don't know for how long you don't know. I mean, you can kind of tell which teams are like going to put players out there who are competing for jobs. But is that the trend that you tend to look at the most? Like, all right, I'm looking at their records from the last five years, and this coach has typically done this or scored this amount in the preseason. Yeah, that is that's the biggest thing that I hang my hat on. Obviously, you look at like quarterback situations because that kind of changes from year to year. Right. But for example, I know this game isn't being played tonight, but looking later this week, you have the Steelers who. Mike Tomlin is 35 and 24 in the preseason. And you go, well, that doesn't mean a lot. It's a little over 500. I, I get that. But at the same time, you were getting the Steelers at plus money to win, to win a game. They have three competent quarterbacks. And you go, all three of those guys are playing for something because we don't know who their week one starter is going to be. And you're getting a Mike Tomlin coach team at plus money. How frequently do you get a Mike Tomlin coach team at plus money during the regular season? So give me that in the preseason. And there are some coaches who just don't care about the preseason and that's fine. I'm not going to tell somebody how to coach in the preseason because like you see the Ravens are like 40 and 12 or whatever under John Harbaugh. Well, the Titans under Mike Vrabel are four and eight in the preseason. He's much more concerned about the process than the result when it comes to preseason football. And that's yeah, you talking about you talking about Harbaugh and Tomlin. Them dudes play to win every game. Yeah. They probably win, play to win flip coin and whatever the hell game they're playing. Like, And that's you, just how they coach. I'm exactly. fine with that. But I'm going to hop on those tendencies. The like, Buccaneers no are what, If it's plus, the backups, the starters, we are playing to win. And so that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a point, man. I love yep. that shit, dude. And it, I'm not going to buy into it if it's, you know, like, you know, first-year coach or whatever. It, it, that still there's still some stuff to see there but at the same time when you see a coach who has years and years of experience do essentially the same process year after year i I would be a fool not to take advantage of that so that's what i do i'm rolling with the winners baby i like it so far texans rams rams are plus two probably for good reasons texans obviously are going to have the starters out there a lot of those guys are probably competing for starting second tier spots on the team and the rams they just came off the super bowl they know what they got in the building are you buying the rams at plus two or are you like nah give me the texans all the way yeah i both of these coaches lovey smith historically which i mean you have to go back and look at the bears but even as a head coach, very neutral in the preseason. Sean McVay, seven and nine in preseason games. So nothing really to take advantage of on either side there. If I'm going to roll with anything here, I would probably roll with the Texans just because you're not going to see any Matthew Stafford. You're going to see no Cooper Cup, uh, probably little to no Allen Robinson, right? So you're the the Texans have more that they are trying to figure out. So I would I would absolutely take the Texans in this one. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a strong conviction either way. So personally, I'm staying away. However, if I had to bet, give me the Texans. I'm going to take them on the money line. Two's a weird spread. I, yeah. 
If, if it was three, I I might change my mind, but give me the Texans. Hey, I'll take the Texans too, baby. I, I like them to win the game. I, and you know what? Like you said, this I just don't see a lot of stars out there for the Rams. And I think that a lot of these Texans guys are trying to prove their spots, especially like in the run game. We yep. know that's a mixed bag right now with the running backs. I think even the receivers, they're trying to earn their spots. Some of the young guys are trying to earn a starting role. Uh, the tight ends, they haven't even yeah. figured the tight end situation out yet. So, uh, and then on the defense, I know they got a lot of open starting spots on that defense too, for good reasons. So, I can see the Texans really performing well. And Lovey Smith, man, I feel like he's one of those win guys too, even though you said he has like about a 500 record. Yep. I feel like Lovey Smith's one of those guys like, I'm trying to get some wins where I can. Especially if he's trying to prove something. New team, you know, like, hey, let's make a statement. Make a Facts. statement. Facts. So we got one more segment, man. That's it for the preseason games. We got one more segment. It's called Ask Jayhan. You can come in and ask any question that you have, uh, whether it's small, big, large. I'm going to try to answer all of them that I can. Make sure you use the hashtag AskJHen with a three instead of an E on Twitter, and we'll get your question answered on the show. We had a daily show, so make sure you're paying attention to the episode. This question came in today. I have the first overall pick from my guy Todd Fagan. Uh, 10, he said, I have the first overall pick in a 12-man full PPR league, and I'm debating about CMC and JT. CMC worries me with the injuries. He hurt my team last year. Who would you go with? Hashtag ask Jayhan. And for me, I'm going to go with if you, it all depends on you because I can tell you to go take CMC, but if you're a guy that's going to trade him after he gets hurt for two games or you can't take any type of risk, right? Then that's the wrong information. If you're a guy that needs to have a safe floor player, then you got to go Jonathan Taylor. You have to account for your risk tolerance. We are not all built the same way. Me personally, I don't care about risk. I'm taking CMC. But if I got to rank them for you guys out there who are always asking questions and like kind of scared of, of losing or getting injured, kind of you're scared of an injury, which all running backs get hurt, then you got to take Jonathan Taylor. You have to know yourself in fantasy. Are you going to panic when things go wrong or do you go and try to be aggressive when things go wrong? That would be my take on that. Cody, how are you feeling about CMC and JT? I, everybody takes fantasy so seriously. If you're going to draft CMC and then have your, your gut roll after you do it, don't draft the guy. Yeah. Just draft Jonathan Taylor. You know what I mean? At, at the top end of the draft, you're just trying not to lose it. You know what I mean? The difference between Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey probably isn't going to be the difference in right. winning or losing your league unless one of them gets hurt. And it's impossible to predict. So take the guy that you're more comfortable with. It's fantasy football. You want to enjoy watching your team play. You want to enjoy setting a lineup every week. Don't draft a guy and then you're immediately going to be like, yeah, I need to take a shot after that one. That's, yeah. that's not the point of the fantasy I shouldn't have draft, listened to man. those guys. Yeah, like you want to have pride in your team, man. You're watching CMC and he goes for an 80-yard TD run. You want to be, be feeling good. Like, yeah, that's the guy I picked. Not crying when he gets hurt for three games. And you're like, oh, no, I should have took Jonathan Taylor. Like, at the end of the day, it's all fun and random shit happens. Players get hurt. Players score touchdowns. And we sit back and talk shit all day about how we were <laughs> right or how we were wrong, baby. That's all it is. So absolutely, I, man. Good points on that. Cody, my man, I have enjoyed having you on the show and we definitely got to run this shit back, bro. Do not be scared to come on this show, bro. Do not be a, I'm not, a, I'm, the word I'm, I lost it. The, the word, uh, <laughs> stranger. Don't be a stranger. That's what I was trying to say, but tell the people where they can find you, man. Hey, look, you can see it at the app below at smash hit sports. You can find me anywhere that there's social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, tweet at me. I love having conversations with people. I'm on YouTube. I got the whole nine yards. You can find me anywhere and everywhere. I, all of my, I am independent. 
So all of my stuff this year is free. You want my picks? You want my fantasy opinions? You want my takes on your team? I will give them all to you. No questions asked. I, I'm just trying to talk football, and that's all. I, I love doing it. So you can find me anywhere and everywhere. I love everything about that, Cody. It's been a pleasure, my man. Make sure you guys like, share, subscribe, whatever the hell y'all got to do to get this out there. This is a dope-ass episode, and we'll see you next Monday on the Justin Henry Show. Peace out.